Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. A few games are in the book. Two Grapefruit League games. Why do I always have trouble saying that, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. Um, it is harder to say Grapefruit League than Cactus League, I think. But, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk ball, Frank. That's what happened. Yeah, it's an actual baseball on actual television. Uh, how's it feel, Jeff? It was great. Uh, I watched the game the other day. Well, I watched the first game that was on TV, and then I watched the game either a day or two later where uh, a lot of the studs threw. Um, uh, took a couple of no-hit. I think they went took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, so that was fun. I think it was I, actually I the eighth. Team. I think they got to the eighth. Gregory Soto blew it. Right. Go, go, <laughs> go, go figure. No. Uh, <laughs> went off the second baseman's club. He tried. but uh, Actually, yeah, that, should, that should not have been a hit. I mean, like, a normal second baseman gets that. Now, you know, apologies to the – uh, late game uh, minor league fill in. In fact, I don't even remember who it was. Yeah, but I could remember, remember the moment it happened, and I, I guess it was over my head at that point that it was a no hitter. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brayson Scott would have got that, but <laughs> but almost a no hitter. But uh, but uh, but yeah, but you know, I lo- I love the early spring games because the road team is never. I mean, th- there are rules. A lot of people don't know this. There actually is a a, a certain number of veterans you must take on the road, but. Yes. You know, often the veteran is, is somebody who uh, – now, it was easy for the Phillies in Dunedin because – well, not that Dunedin's far, but Whit Merrifield just played played there with those guys last year. And if you saw him messing around with Tim Meza, who lost the fantasy football league they were in, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. playing Bat Boy uh, with his – what was his record on his back? Like uh, like 3-14 and 14 or something in his fantasy <laughs> league. Uh, um, but, you know, so like a player like that will go. But you know, right now the Phillies are down in – are in the, the southwest – Florida uh, run, where which usually means playing the Red Sox and the Twins in the same stadium, same complex. Right. Uh, so they usually the ones that uh, that end up on the road at the short stick uh, <laughs> for that trip, but they only do it once. Uh, but I think what you know, nice thing is we're going to start seeing maybe when they get back from that a lot of games at Baycare Ballpark coming up, going to start seeing a lot of the starters playing a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I know uh, you usually make an annual trek down there, so I know you're excited about it. And um, it was, it's good to see it back. I, 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 spring training for me is like I love the first two weeks because it's like it's cool. You see the the nice weather and everything, and then by like March fifteenth or so, you're like, all right, just get me to the get get me to the season opener, please. Which is you know early this year, right? I mean March twenty eighth, I think is uh the season opener. So March twenty eighth. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, early start. Uh... 
early early Easter. It's always why do they always start over Easter weekend? I don't know why. Like because they you know try to make it uh, so there's less demand for the games. I don't know, but uh, second year in a row, uh, Phillies are starting. Even though Easter is much earlier this year than yeah. it usually is, so it's uh it's it's always always seems to be on the uh, that weekend. But but yes, I am headed down to uh, Florida on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday, so uh, I should be at the games Friday, Saturday. Taking Sunday off, I'm not traveling to where the Braves play because no one wants to go there. Uh, it's not a fun ride. So uh, you know, there's a lot of really good, a lot of really good ballparks in the area around Clearwater. Uh, Dunedin is one of my favorite places to go. Oh, it's really close. I mean, the, the park itself isn't anything fancy, even though they're upgrading it. So I'll be I'll be in Dunedin on Monday. But you know, uh, taking taking trips, uh, it's really easy to get to Tampa when the Phillies are playing the Yankees. Really easy to get to. Well, not easy per se, but a little bit further down. You get to Sarasota uh, and see the Orioles once in a while, or, or down to Bradenton and see the Pirates. But uh, but uh, but yeah, this is the, the Phillies are getting the the Southwest Florida leg of spring training out of the way now. It's down Fort Myers area. So uh, but Phillies return Wednesday to uh, Baycare Ballpark, and then they're in Dunedin, and then they're home for uh, a couple. So. Okay, just took a pause there to fix my audio. I know I, I have my lesser headphones on and, and mouthpiece on rather than my better equipment, but uh, I think we got that worked out, Jeff. You can hear me all right now? Yeah, spring training for everyone, Frank, including us and our audio equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize if it sounds bad. Now, uh, the next time we, we get to do this, I'm sure I will be on lesser equipment because I will be in Florida, and I can't carry this fancy microphone down with me because... Uh, you know, you don't really get checked. You don't really get any uh, bags included on most of the airlines that go to Tampa these days. So, so I will. I'll be doing my best with my laptop. Uh, but uh, you're right. Back on trap. Yes, baseball. Baseball's back. Big care ball plays back. You know, I really recognize. I was saying, you know, places you can travel nearby. It's a little easy to get to where the Braves play and the Rays play. But there's so much around. And, and by the way, when you go to spring training, you need a day off to just enjoy Clearwater, right? So. Uh, it's totally okay not to go to a game every single day, so I'm looking forward to the beach on Sunday. Sunday will be my day of rest from baseball, but but I will I'll be at at least four games, if not yeah, four at least four games down there between Dunedin and 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 Jeff. Nothing beats it, you know. So uh, it's a uh, it's a different pace of life when you get down there, right? Because everybody's on vacation oh, or yeah. they've retired down there, you know, just chilling basically, and. Uh, it, it's a uh, it's, it's a good time, Jeff. Yeah, and and you know for the players, I know it's always been a a relaxed environment. It's not like they're feeling the weight of having to win the World Series when they're down in, in Clearwater. But as soon as they come up north, it's the Braves, right? Like it's the Braves opening weekend, and I do think that people, and I believe this as well, Frank. Um, I think that there should be a better expectation of performing better in March or April and not just relying on, Oh, we'll catch fire over the last two months and breathe the Braves in the, in the postseason or get hot. I mean, there, there's really no excuse when you look at the team on paper and the talent that they have to start off really slowly, especially knowing that Bryce Harper right now starts the season healthy. Your three pitchers are all in camp and have been throwing. Um, so you don't expect Ranger Suarez to struggle as much. You would like to see Nola and Wheeler, start just a, a tick better. They don't have to be aces, lights out, but they've really struggled in April and May, uh, the last, uh, or March now, uh, the last last few months. So, I, But I just don't think that there's 
there's not really an excuse to be like a team that's under 500 or hovering around 500 for the first 50, 60 games of the year. I felt like last year to a certain extent that the whole thing was, well, we got to hang in there until Bryce Harper's back. And so like hanging in there meant being like mediocre, like five, 500-ish, right? I mean, that's basically what the Phillies were. I mean, they weren't totally awful. They were in around 500. And then when 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 things settled down and he came back and Ranger Suarez came back, they seemed to hit their stride. I mean, not knock on wood, Jeff, nobody is, there's no big question mark at the moment. Everybody is there. Mm-hmm. That's true. They are there. And that's why I have higher expectations for this team earlier on. And then as we'll talk about, you know, I think you're, you're, if you also consider not just Bryce Harper and Ranger Suarez taking a while to get stretched out, but their outfield situation was perilous because without Harp and playing different guys at first, and then Harp had a DH when he did come back, and you needed Schwarber in the outfield. And now, knock on wood, everything stays the same. Schwarber will be DHing almost all the time. And depending on what happens in center field, right, with Rojas and Brandon Marsh and and what have you, um, you might you've got Whit Merrifield now as a nice backup who. I think Frank and you know you might agree. I think we'll probably play a little bit more, especially against left-handers, than people might think because of his versatility and because you just don't know right now what you're going to get from Rojas on a day-to-day basis until he comes north, if he comes north at all. Yeah, I think we, when we left this, we were we were going through the right-handed bats left, and I, I mentioned what what Merrifield uh, was yeah. one of the names I brought up, and I thought that based on what I heard him say publicly on MLB Network Radio was, uh, oh, I know my worth. And he wanted a multi-year deal and big bucks, it sounded like. And I thought, okay, well, the Phillies aren't looking for somebody long-term. They're looking for someone they can plug as a right-handed bat into left field. I mean, that was a, that was what we were talking about, right? And so uh, the fact that he signed the one-year deal for $8 million. Now, now when I found that he signed it for $8 million, I was like, okay, well, is he going to be bitter he didn't get the big deal? And then it sounded like as, as it kind of came to fruition that he had Five teams he was talking to, and then in the end, he said, "Hey, you've done a lot of things. I've accomplished a lot individually. I'm a star, blah 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 blah. I just want to win." So like, I think that that attitude he's coming into camp with is 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 is, is somebody that 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 isn't necessarily that guy, you know, and that knowing that there will be times where he doesn't play, but I, I think he's going to play a lot. You know, I still see. I still see Johan Rojas going down the Triple A to start the start the season. I don't think he'll be there forever, but you know, I think what we're you know, he had a couple hits so far uh, in in Grapefruit League action. It seems like he's still chasing along bad pitches and swinging at everything. We still have a we still have a few weeks left, right, Jeff? But I think mm-hmm. we'd love to see him work on that bat a little bit more. And the fact that they still have Christian Pache hanging around, like they have a little option that's not good. Not Horrible option. I mean, I think Rojas, even though they profile similarly, Rojas will be better in the long term. Uh, but like, they have the luxury of saying, okay, well, look, we can play Murfield and left. We can play Marsh and center. Can play Marsh and left, play Pache and center if they want for some. But I think, I think Murfield's going to play a lot, uh, especially early, especially mm-hmm. when Rojas works a lot of that out. And then because he's got that attitude, I mean, it, He's willing to even jump in third base sometimes. Yeah, I think we're going to see that coming coming along. So I see this guy playing seventy five percent of the games at least. Wow, uh, I I think that that's um, both good and bad <laughs> because as we talked about in the last pod, 
what you really want from the Phillies this year uh, to take an improvement from next year is having a better and deeper bench. So ideally you want Rojas to come up north and either platoon or with Marsh or play center and Marsh plays left and um, you get uh, a Murfield to use off the bench. If Murfield has to start 75% of the game, then you're back to, well, what's my outfield depth? Is it Jake Cave? Is it Christian Potts? You know what I'm saying? You're you're sort of in that position where you're not pulling a nice, experienced, good major league player like Merfold off the bench. But I agree. I think Rojas has to prove it to to you. So, um, uh, you know, we'll see. I may, the Phillies might not even be done, but it's kind of funny that you bring this up because when they signed Merfield, I, I sort of tongue-in-cheek tweeted, do the Phillies have a new leadoff hitter, right? And everybody, oh, man, like you should have seen it. Like you don't know baseball. You know what you're talking about. I mean – it was sort of tongue in cheek because I know that the the leadoff position is forever the argument and the discussion about the Phillies lineup. I but um, it's interesting they've they've batted him leadoff so far in spring. But I don't. We talked about this in the last pod. I don't know where he in this lineup that they have ideally fits. If you don't lead him off, he could be a ninth hitter as like a double leadoff situation. But he's he's got a weird kind of batting skill set that I don't. I don't know. And plus, they're so top heavy with really good hitters, not named Whit Merrifield. So I, I don't know where it'll fit. You know, I think I think one thing we're forgetting about is especially early on, you know, we got used to the, the playoff lineups and right. You make your lineup and that's your lineup. Right. As we saw, uh, again, people debated, debated that plenty. Right. Yeah. But people are going to need days off. People are going to be banged up. And throughout the course of the season, that's when you get the days off. So there's the opening day lineup and then it's not going to look the same for, for weeks, right? Because, you know, you'll, you need to give Marsh a day here. You need to start a day there. You'll need to give Boma a day there, you know, Harper a day there, maybe not Harper so much, but, but I, I think that, I think the fact that you can move many field around gives you the opportunity to say, okay, yeah, Castellanos, you get off today. He earned right. And you don't have to worry about it as much. So I mean, I see him as the piece that could be moving up and down. I think he's going to go Schwarber leadoff. Uh, I think that's just Philly started winning again last year when that happened, and the pressure was off of him to be Hooper's bat when Hooper was out. So I think we, I think we're going to see a lot of mixing and matching and people moving up and down. And I know uh, one thing Mike Gill asked me on the radio last Tuesday while I was doing a mailbag was, was do you think? Uh, um, do you think Bohm could be a middle or middle of the order? I said, well, you know what? When when guys have their days off, he's going to do it all even if he's not the first day. So, so I mean, Merrifield gives you the option, and you feel like you have an actual major league hitter who is in the lineup when somebody's off. I mean, too many times last year when you had and you had Luke Jones, Henderson, like it was like Josh Harrison, Jake Cave in the lineup multiple days a week. You know, just because. You, when you had to give somebody a day, it really felt like there was this massive hole. Yeah. So, but but Nick Castellanos is going to need his day, and uh, probably probably Schwarber. Since we, I would be shocked if Schwarber was in the field this year. Like it would take it would take Bryce Harper tearing his ACL again, or UCL again, and not, and only being able to DH for Schwarber to end up back in the field. I, like I think they you know, that that is at the point now where Schwarber is just DH. So uh, that means. You need somebody like Merrifield to bounce around, and, and the lineup will shift accordingly. And then, uh, but I think opening day, I think you want you want Merrifield in left field, and and probably not batting first, but uh, probably opening day he'll be eighth or ninth. And then mm-hmm. as time goes on, you're going to see see him bouncing around to fill in for different people. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, ninth to me makes a lot of sense too, in that double leadoff spot. Um, he can get on base, gets on base well, and then, you know, steals bases, right? So he can be a guy who gets you on base and all of a sudden Schwarber's coming up with a couple guys on and, uh, that, that makes it good for him. So I, I could see it happening. I, I think he's an upgrade. I, I just, my hope is that Ross turns it around. I would like to, the Phillies, I would feel better about them if they came up north with Marsh, Rojas, and Murfield because they all uh, deserve it. You know what I'm saying? They, they, I, I'm saying I hope that they all earn that spots and that the Phillies have a nice little bench slash rotation that they can play around with and go righty-lefty on, you know. All right, so earlier on you mentioned the Phillies might not be done yet. I mean, they, the, the only place that really they would add something at this point would be Starting rotation, and there's people, couple big name pitchers still left. Uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery and 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 Blake Snell, and I think we you know, feel like Montgomery is trending towards the Red Sox. So it would sound, but don't necessarily care much about about uh, about Snell. Uh, but I mean, if if opportunity is, you get him on a big short term deal. Uh, maybe you take advantage of the situation. But do you think Phillies? Actually, going to be in on these these two guys. You know, I kind of I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if the price came down, they would. But I also think if the price on these guys comes down, then you're, the Phillies are going to be battling it with the Yankees and some other teams that are trying to maybe even the Dodgers. I mean, they're throwing money at everybody uh, just to get a pitcher. Padres, Braves, maybe. So then that sort of makes the price sort of go back up, doesn't it? When you have that that kind of bidding war. Um, I don't know. I, I Frank, I I think it would make sense if they could. I think that I'm always in favor of adding an extra arm. Um, and then the closer we get with these guys on sign, as you mentioned, Murfold, right? Well, maybe these guys say, hey, I'll just sign a short-term deal and try to win and then hit the market again next year, coming off a better year. That could favor the Phillies. Um, as opposed to some of the, like the Yankees or somebody who had struggled last year or wasn't, you know, a couple of swings away from the World Series. So we'll see. Uh, I definitely think it would benefit them. Yeah. I don't know that the Phillies would, would, and here's the thing too, with Blake, Blake Snell, he's 31 years old. I, I don't know that, that teams are, are really eager to, to go too long a deal. Now they talk that they have the nickname the Boris for Bellinger, Snell, uh, Montgomery. And yep. Matt Chapman and uh you know, Bellinger finally came off the board. Seemed like a smaller deal than he ever would have wanted. I mean, he's probably back where he belongs with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but you know, could that be a sign then the prices are coming down on the others? I think that that's a possibility. I mean, I think the Phillies would love to be opportunists, but you know, I, I still worry though, in general, about the Phillies starting rotation depth. You know, the fact that there is no clear number six right now. You know, if Christopher Sanchez was your number six, you feel a lot better than Christopher Sanchez being one of the five. Because, A, what if he falters? What if he, you know, while he showed some promise last year, maybe he just doesn't have it. And then, then what do you do? And then beyond that, you know, Phillies had one of the, the things last year. But what if, what, if, what if somebody gets hurt? I'm going to say something. I'm certainly hoping nothing major. But, like, you know, the wear yeah. the tears that comes with the season, you know, could lead to a little nagging injury for somebody so they, they have a clear six so uh not really big guys uh, but they still have Nick Lorenzen out there you know, I said this last time but I would, I would consider just seeing if he would come back 
Yeah, no, Lorenzen makes sense. But by the way, like every good team right now, maybe outside of the Dodgers, um, is thinking the same thing about their team. I mean, the Braves, right, who are always the Phillies nemesis, they're probably looking at four and five and saying, all right, we got Chris Sale, but like, are we getting like, you know, are we getting 130 innings this year out of Chris Sale? Can we get that? I don't know. You know, if not, do we really know if AJ Smith Shaver can just go in and, and be a, a really good fifth starter if we need Max Freed, very good pitcher has also dealt with at times staying healthy, giving you enough innings. And who's their fourth? I guess Charlie Morton would be their fourth. So you always kind of wonder what Charlie Morton's age. I mean, he's still a very good strikeout pitcher, but he's only a four to five inning pitcher, right? So you're asking the same questions about a team that won a hundred and some odd games last year. I mean, look at the Orioles. I mean, I think there are big expectations for them. They're, Bradish is hurt already. There are other fifth, fourth or fifth starter got hurt or has question marks. I mean, they traded for Burns. So I, I do see a lot of that top heaviness. I mean, the Yankees, right? They're probably really happy about Garrett Cole, but they have no idea what they're going to get from Rodon, from Nestor Cortez, from uh, who's their, um, I forget who their other guy is. But like that, my point is like everybody outside of the Dodgers uh, from three to five in the rotation probably is looking and saying, man, we could probably be a little better or we have question marks there. Yeah, I just I just don't want to see them every fifth day stuck with like Nick Nelson uh just just throwing a clunker just to just to fill innings, you know, like I uh you know, he, well, he didn't look good at his one appearance. I know that, that that doesn't mean a whole lot at this point, but uh mm-hmm. but really yeah, Nick Nelson is probably the next on the depth chart and I I don't, I don't, I, don't, I don't love that. All right. So, all right. So, I was um, mildly encouraged by Mick Abel's uh, outing the other day. Yeah. Two strikeouts in one inning, and um, you know that was the game where everybody they carried the no hitter into the eighth, and he he was pitching with the studs, so that was good to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so keep an eye on him. I I think he's depth, but later in the year, I you know realistically, I think I think he's the type that you hope you don't have to use until June or July or, or even later than that. But uh, but he's there. I mean, I I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not I'm not overly protective of the young arms, but you know, I want to make sure he's got some time in AAA first before he he comes to the major leagues. And um, by some, I know he he did have a cup of coffee there, but you know, I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him get maybe like five to ten starts, and and you kind of have a better idea of what you have there with him at this point, and if he's especially being ready for the major leagues. Yeah. Now, so uh, the sort of betting odds are out, and the injury for the Phillies is 90.5 wins. Where are you in this? Are the Phillies over or under 90.5? Oh, Frank, I mean, they won 90 games last year. So Vegas is telling you all they have to do is win one more game than last year to be over. And we just discussed all the obstacles and hurdles that they faced last year in April and May till Harp got back. So... Against my better judgment, I'm going to take the over on the Phillies' wins. I'm going to believe that they will have a better first two months of the season, um, that they're a more complete team, that they will avoid major injury bugs. And I'm going to even say maybe Kyle Schwarber doesn't wait two months to hit a few home runs. He's always good for a home run on opening day. Then nothing in between, and then like heating it up in um, June, right? That's his big month. Um, I just think that him not having to play in the outfield will probably help him out as a hitter uh, earlier 
in the season, take a little bit of load off him, help him stay healthy and those knees stay healthy. Right. And you get a little more production. So I'm going to take the over and um, I'm sorry, Phillies nation for now jinxing the Phillies. Um, I would also go over. And I would say that because when you look at last year, if you, if you, if you throw the March game in with April 15, 14, May 10 and 16, I, I would have a hard time seeing a 10 and 16 May out of this Phillies team. So uh, the rest of the year, you know, eight and eight June, right. Then they were you know, basically my, my point, my, my point is like, you know, I, I just don't see the low being that low whenever, whenever they, you know, all teams, well, even the good teams, right. I remember the 2011 Phillies who perhaps were the best team, you know, over the course of a season I've ever seen uh, in my lifetime. You know, even they had some moments where it felt like they were had a, had a little downturn. But I don't think six games under five hundred is going to hit the Phillies in any month. And for that alone, I think it puts them over that. To, I mean, even if over means ninety two or ninety three, mm-hmm. I also think that the Phillies have a shot of being over. Now, that also for me, to, to be realistic, I think that also means that they're second place in the National League East. How about you? Yeah, probably. Yeah, the Braves have a uh, have an over under of well, I think one oh one oh one or something like that, which is pretty. It's it's almost an absurdly high total until you see that the Dodgers one oh three and a half, which is like one of the highest over unders I think I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> well, talk about expectations, and they might go over it uh, to be honest. But I I I think the one oh one is kind of lofty to be honest with you, but. I, I wouldn't surprise me if the Braves were a 98-99. But, yeah, I still think they're a t- they're, they, they just always start off better than the Phillies do, and that always makes a difference. I would I would love to see the Phillies be a little bit more competitive and make this thing a neck-and-neck race. I think that's obvious. It goes without saying. And it's possible. Could be. Um, but if you if I had to, you know, wager, then I, I would put my money on, on the Braves to finish first, yes. To me, their their big question mark is Chris Sale. What does Chris Sale have? Is he going to be healthy after a few years of not being healthy? I mean, that's a real wild card, if you ask me. But yeah, I think they're they're still still going to be the clear favorites. But then again, as we saw, top top half rotations and playoff games, you can make it work. So listen, Jeff, I don't know how many people will like if you pulled like baseball writers, expert, all that stuff, right? And said, are Kevin Minter and Rysel Iglesias in your top five in in late relief categories, right? In any ranking. I don't think any people put them in the top ten. But those are the two guys who seem to get it done for them, or at least last year. Uh, every year I go in saying, like, I'm not really sure about this Braves back-end bullpen. But I guess when you got, like, eight to two leads and nine to three leads, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. But, but it's not a great on-paper back-end bullpen. I'll just say that. Yeah, Philly always seem to get to Minter, so uh, I, I love watching them head to head because Philly, yeah, the Phillies can hang with the Braves, right? And of course, you saw they can beat them in playoff series, yes, as well. Well, it's time for me to go pack, Jeff. So that'll do it for this edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. I'll catch you next time from Clearwater. <laughs>